Now let's talk about the play of the week. The pressure to follow up Hypnotic and Cognac weighing heavily on the team. Hypnotic was in the cup, blue and ready for the play. And boom, Onyejo Tequila came in with a smooth assist to Hypnotic's tropical fruit finish. Shaken, strained, poured. It was green and good. The playmaking splash shifted the tempo. Another great cocktail from the Hypnotic team. Every season is Hypnotic and Tequila season. Hypnotic Liquor, Bardstown, Kentucky, 17% alcohol by volume. Hypnotic reminds you to think wisely, drink wisely. This is NBA Today, live from Los Angeles. Coming up on NBA Today, the 2022 NBA Draft is only two days away. We dive into the biggest needs for the teams at the top of the board. Plus, speaking of the top of the board, who should go number one? Our experts will tell us who to look out for heading into draft day. And fresh off celebrating their fourth championship in eight seasons, we look at what the Dubs need to do this offseason for a chance to repeat. NBA Today starts right now. All right. This offseason is officially underway. Here are the key dates coming up on the NBA calendar. The NBA draft is this Thursday, June 23rd. June 29th is the last day for decisions on player, team, and early termination options. On June 30th, teams can begin negotiating with free agents at 6 p.m. Eastern, 3 p.m. Pacific. July 1st is the official start of the 22-23 NBA League year when the moratorium period begins. Restricted free agents can sign an offer sheet on this date. Then on July 6th, the teams can begin officially signing players, extending players, and completing trades. Boy, that was a mouthful. Welcome to NBA Today. I'm George Sedano in for Malika Andrews here with me in L.A. is NBA champion Matt Barnes. And then 15-year NBA vet J.J. Redick and host of the Low Post podcast, Zach Lowe, is also joining us here. So, look, I just laid out the key dates coming up on the NBA calendar, the first of which is the draft. So, J.J., what are the most important things you look for in a prospect? Is it fit, ceiling, day one impact? What is it? Well, obviously, talent is extremely important. But depending <laughs> on where you're drafting, whether that's the first pick or the 30th pick or the 45th pick, I really have three things that I think are most important for a player to become great and stick around in this league. Does that player love basketball? Does that, is that player competitive? And does that player have a level of basketball and emotional intelligence? And emotional intelligence is a key component in this, right? you got to be able to get along with your teammates. you got to be able to deal with the media and coaches but those three things to me are the most important. Like, I'm always willing to bet on those guys. And, and I, I can go down the list of undrafted players. A guy like Fred Van Fleet, TJ McConnell, uh, a second-round pick like Draymond Green. These guys, those are the intangibles that separates them and allow them to excel in this NBA. And you obviously need to have length and shooting ability and all that stuff. But give me those three things, and I'll bet on that prospect. I think it, a lot of it, on top of what J.J. said, it just goes to luck. You never really know what is going to happen. You hope that you've done your homework and you've done enough research to know that the guy I pick is going to be the right guy that uh, embodies everything that J.J. said and hopefully more. But you never know. You've seen number one picks flare out. You've seen guys like Jokic, who's a two-time MVP, slide to the second round, and Gilbert Arena slide to the second round. So you never really know what you're getting until, until the actual lights come on. You can see stuff in summer league, you can see stuff in training camp, practice, but until those lights come on, you don't really know what you have. And obviously all those qualities JJ listed are important, but it's really a guessing game. And, and, and you pray that you guess right because jobs are on the line if you don't. Zach? 
Do you have any thoughts? Yeah, it's to to me, it's if you're particularly at the top of the draft, unless you already have a foundational superstar at a particular position and the guy that you think is the best player available plays the same position with a very similar skill set, unless that very unlikely scenario happens and none of the top three right now have what I would consider a foundational superstar, you just take the best player available and worry about the other stuff later. And I think you look directly at the Kings at yes. this point you have to decide well we have De'Aaron Fox <laughs> yeah. does that mean we shouldn't take Jaden Ivey and look De'Aaron Fox is a really good player if you think Ivey's by far the best player on the board at four you can't find a good trade you like to move down just take Ivey figure out the rest later all these teams when you get to the deep stages of the playoffs they need multiple ball handlers multiple guys who can compromise the defense just because you have one doesn't mean you don't draft another if you guys if you think it's the best guy on the board. Fair enough, for sure. JJ, you've seen plenty of rookies come into the league. How long before you knew a guy had it in him to make a significant impact? I usually could watch a player and interact with a player for just a few days, and I could see whether they had those three intangibles or not. It, it, this isn't rocket science. And, and to Matt's point, I do think there is an element of luck here, uh, and it's really hard to figure out those three attributes before you actually have them in a locker room, before you actually have them in a season. I get the difficulty in that but too often we see people become tantalized by someone's length when they clearly don't love basketball I mean talent certainly reigns supreme in all of this and we get so caught up in the NBA with transactions with potential trades with free agents but if you look recently in the NBA the best teams by and large the, the, the top eight teams the top seven teams whatever it is I'm not saying every championship team but the top seven or eight teams year to year are teams that have drafted well. And if you look at this this year's two teams in the finals, the Boston yeah. Celtics drafted well. The Golden State Warriors drafted well. When Oklahoma City was awesome, they drafted well. Thursday night is as important of a date as there is in the NBA. Let's not understate that. Boston owes a lot of that lucky or good drafting to the Nets. But anyway, um, <laughs> yes. I think, you know, as, as someone who was on the, the Sixers, right? And the Sixers. And, uh, on someone who was on the defensive end, I always love to kind of test rookies. And I remember one particular person I tested early on. And I'm, if I'm not mistaken, it was his rookie year. It's 2015-16 was Devin Booker. Uh, we were in Memphis. I was on the Grizzlies. And me and Tony Allen were throwing everything we had at Devin Booker. Physical, bumping them, hitting them, hit, boxing them hard, setting hard screens on them. And I remember my former teammate at the time, Earl Watson from college, was the head coach. I was like, I like this young where he's like, nah, Matt, he's the truth. He's got it. He, he's, he's one of the one. And ever since then, I've been a fan of Booker. So on the flip side, a lot of these guys, you know, you never know when they're ready, but you better believe that veterans are going to be testing these rookies from day one. And you got to be able to stand on your own and not, you know, and not hide your tail. And that was something that Devin Booker definitely was able to do. All right, let's take a look at Jonathan Gavoni's current draft big board here. This is how he's projecting the top ten to shake out. The projection from Gavoni is Jabari Smith over Chet Holmgren to the Magic with the first overall pick. But let me ask you guys if you agree. All right, we'll get to that in a second. But here's Dalen Cuff, Jay Billis, Bobby Marks, and Woj on who Orlando should take at the number one spot. Thanks a lot. And alongside Adrian Wojnarowski, Jay Billis, Bobby Marks, I'm Dalen Cuff. Uh, all right, guys, let's break it down. It's basically a three-horse race for the first overall spot. Paulo Bancaro, Jabari Smith, and Chet Holmgren. Jay, I'll start with you. If you're John Hammond, you're the GM of the Magic, where are you going with number one? Well, I think it's a really hard decision. I think it's actually just Holmgren and Smith uh, for the number one overall selection. And with 
Jabari Smith, you have somebody who compares a little bit to Kevin Durant with, with his ability to shoot the ball. And he's a big-time offensive player, and he can defend multiple positions. Uh, block shots. He's not a great offensive rebounder, but as a defensive rebounder, he's productive. Uh, I, I think he's the number one pick. But Holmgren is kind of a baby Giannis with the way he plays. And you have to sort of get over his body because you don't see a lot of his body style in the NBA, or at least you haven't traditionally. But Holmgren is the real deal. So I think it's a difficult decision. If it were mine, I would take Jabari Smith, but, but only by a little bit. It's a hard one. Chet Holmgren, he, he is a one-of-a-kind prospect. And listen, there may not be a wrong answer. Sometimes there's two right answers. Maybe there's three right answers in this draft. But to me, Chet Holmgren is, has a skill set and a game and, and the potential, I think, with the imagination of an organization and how to utilize him, how a coach uh, is going to put him into a system and build around him. And certainly physically, he's going to develop over time. I, and I think Jabari Smith is an outstanding NBA prospect. I think he's a multi-time all-star. But to me, I, think th I don't think it's that difficult of a decision that it's Chet Holmgren. Okay, I, you say that, but it's a front office guy. Is this decision already made? Like, do you think they already know who they're going with, and they knew for weeks, or this this still coming down to it? I think there's a, there was a comfort level the night of the lottery, and I think the last couple of weeks and month just basically confirmed that when you get both players in your building, you do an individual workout, you meet with them. I think Jabari Smith for them, it's unique where it's best available and also a position of need mm -hmm. for the Magic. You can put him next to Wendell Carter Jr. But as Jay said, Holmgren could be that player five, six years from now, that you know, transitional player that maybe we talk about like we do Giannis right now as far as where his upside right now. But it's, it's kind of a coin flip as far as how good both these players are. But that's a great point. Like, like there can be two right decisions mm -hmm. or maybe three in, in this case, but it's just what's best. And that, that's the hardest thing as you look back long term. Uh, we could look back as Chet Holmgren has everything. The only thing he doesn't have is, is a big, strong NBA body that we're used to from years past. And we're going to have to get over that because he's tough and, and competitive. And he's not going to fail in the NBA. He's going to do really well. And, and the NBA has become, it is a skill league mm -hmm. more than it is necessarily a strength league. And I think that's going to benefit Holmgren's game. Well, we'll find out Thursday night, 8 o'clock on ESPN and ABC. We will know who is the number one overall pick. It's been since really since 2013 that we didn't know who number one is going to be. Find out Thursday night, the NBA Draft 2022 starts 8 o'clock. All right, guys, thank you. JJ, I'm sure you may have noticed they kept referring to three, but there were only uh, two names that surfaced in that conversation. There was one that was left out. All right, give us the... Blue Devil bias here. What do you think of Paolo Banquero and how he'll translate to the league? I, I don't bring Blue Devil bias into this, George. You know that. No, I, I'm really impressed with his offensive skill set. He can score at all three levels. You know, my biggest question mark with him comes down to a word we mentioned earlier, and that is fit, because I do think he is a four, and I think the four is uh, a, a one-position player that only plays the four is perhaps the most uh, you know, in or you know, least valuable player in the NBA. You've got to find the right five man to pair with him, or he's got to eventually be able to play the five in a playoff series and pr provide enough defense and rim support uh, to, to to lead your team to a win. So my question about him is fit. It's not his skill set because offensively, I think he's terrific, and I agree with the panel there. 
I think Chet Holm Holmgren and Jabari Smith are the two best players in this draft with the most upside. And I also want to say it's clear that Jay Billis has been playing a lot of golf lately. He's got a tan and he's got the confidence <laughs> to pull off a blazer and white pants. I love that, Jay. I love it. All right, JJ, real quick, 30 seconds here. What do you say to those that say, well, you know, during the season, Bancaro was there some games. He wasn't there other games. We saw how great he was in the tournament, certainly. What do you say to those detractors? Well, I, I actually think he'll benefit more in the NBA from an NBA system uh, with proper spacing, playing five out. Duke didn't play a lot of five out. And I went to six or seven games this year and watched a number of other games. There are a lot of times where he would have the ball and Mark Williams or Theo John would be posting up. There's no clear driving angle for him. So I think he'll benefit a lot from the spacing in the NBA and be a tough matchup night to night. Awesome stuff, JJ. Still to come here on NBA Today, we look back at the best moments of yesterday's parade in the Bay and what the Warriors need to do to keep this dynasty going. And we're just 48 hours away from this year's NBA draft. Which teams are most likely to move up? We ask our draft experts, plus the latest on the Nets and Kyrie Irving's contract. We dive into what actually is going on with Kyrie and his future. NBA Today rolls off. Now let's talk about the play of the week. The pressure to follow up Hypnotic and Cognac weighing heavily on the team. Hypnotic was in the cup, blue and ready for the play. And boom, Onyejo Tequila came in with a smooth assist to Hypnotic's tropical fruit finish. Shaken, strained, poured. It was green and good. The playmaking splash shifted the tempo. Another great cocktail from the Hypnotic team. Every season is Hypnotic and Tequila season. Hypnotic Liquor, Bardstown, Kentucky, 17% alcohol by volume. Hypnotic reminds you to think wisely, drink wisely. NBA Today is brought to you by Verizon. 5G from the network more people rely on. Now in 2015, when we won our first title, I said appreciate these days. They don't come around very often. I lied. When you're the Warriors, they come around all the time. Give it to you. I told y'all, don't let us win a championship. And clearly, nobody can stop it. I'm just going to continue to destroy people on Twitter. Every so once in a while, you gotta remind yourself. You gotta remind yourself. You gotta Damn right, can I do it again? I just want to say thank you all. And as always, everybody else. I love y'all. You know, real mature, Draymond. This guy is the maturity level of a third grader. What they gonna say now? We don't want to hear it no more. Shut up! Can we get one more night night for the camera, my guy? Hey, just so you know, when it's over. The Dubs are living their best life. The Warriors flat out took over San Francisco yesterday. We spent a lot of time asking. Uh, you guys about the regular season and finals MVP, but this will be the most important MVP question you will ever be asked. <laughs> Who was the Warriors parade MVP? Mm -hmm. Go ahead, Matt. This is new. This is new. It was a close call for me, but I have to go with my guy, Clay Thompson. From starting the day with losing his hat as he was boating over there, dropped the championship ring, was drinking Henny out of the bottle, knocked over pedestrian, was dancing like Michael Jackson. <laughs> And at the end of the day, was in the cold tub with the beer yeah. once the parade was over. It was a hard day for him, well-deserved. We're all happy to see him back in the league, and it couldn't have happened to a better guy. I'm going to go 
My MVP is uh, the, the, the MVP of the finals and Steph Curry. Uh, you know, he shows up with all his trophies. He shows up with his championship rings. He gives a mic drop. You finally see Steph loosen up a little bit. Like, his, his competitive stamina is just insane. And the fact that he hears and sees everything, everything. and he comes out and says, what they going to say now? I love every minute of it. I'm going with JJ's choice. Like, it could be Draymond every year. You know Draymond is blockbuster entertainment. It could be Clay every day. You know Clay Thompson, you just can't take your eyes off whatever he's going to do. But Steph Curry, to see the stoic, stone-cold personality come down, to see a little pettiness, a little arrogance maybe, a little celebration, and then to pose with the GOAT Steph Curry, the actual Big. GOAT. I'm yeah. going to give it to Steph because we rarely see him cut a little bit loose like that, giving us a little night-night. I like all of it. I want more of that Steph. Celebrate. He deserves it. So I'm going Steph Curry, parade MVP, finals MVP. He's got it. I think when you reach a certain age, there are zero bleeps to be given. And I think that Curry, <laughs> with his accomplishments and age, has arrived at that point, And we do love to see it. All right. Let's bring in someone who had a front row seat to all the fun, our Warriors reporter Kendra Andrews. So, Kendra, what was your favorite moment from yesterday? There were a ton of them, George. Uh, Gary Payton was a man of his word. He went full J.R. Smith, no shirt for the entire day. Jordan Poole threw his own pool party. He had a super soaker, was throwing around uh, floaties, had a flamingo floaty he was running around with. Andrew Wiggins was spraying champagne. There was an assistant coach who got off the double-decker bus, opened his mouth, and then another coach on top of the bus waterfalled champagne into his mouth. But my MVPs were the same as you guys right clay thompson was an absolute menace i had a front row seat for his little michael J michael jackson impression which was great to see and then of course stephen curry as you guys mentioned the public does not get to see this side of stephen that that often right and he was doing all of his celebrations my favorite moment though that i don't think there was much footage of he hopped up onto a bus stop post onto a railing and started slamming the sign as, as he egged on the crowd damian lee who of course as his brother-in-law hopped up there with him started spraying champagne all over the crowd it, it was it was a big moment i think my hair still smells a little bit <laughs> like the champagne that they were spraying yesterday <laughs> good lord all right we know the party isn't going to stop anytime soon in san francisco but the warriors do have some business to attend to what's the top priority for the warriors this offseason yeah, well, actually, I, I bumped into Bob Myers the other day who, who held up his three rings to me before I asked him, like, what have you been doing these past couple days? Because, yeah, while he's been celebrating, he's also been having meetings. They've been hosting pre-draft workouts. The Warriors have several draft picks uh, in the upcoming draft just two days away. But the big area to, to look at and to watch with the Warriors this offseason, they have seven free agents. Two of those free agents, Gary Payton II and Kevon Looney, who had breakout seasons and who were integral keys in them winning the title the other thing to watch is they have eight returning players two of those eight Andrew Wiggins and Jordan Poole who are both up for contract extensions Jordan Poole has a rookie extension the deadline is October 17th Andrew Wiggins is on the last year of his contract that the Warriors inherited when they brought him over from Minnesota so the Warriors want to bring back as many of these players as possible but of course they're the highest spending team in the league will they be able to but we spoke with Andrew Wiggins Jordan Poole Gary Payton Kevon Looney a couple of days ago and all of them have the same message we want to come back to Golden State and make another titles run awesome stuff as always Kendra thank you so much
Thank you. All right, back with our panel here of JJ, Matt, and Zach. And of course, guys, look, we all, I'm sure, have interesting opinions on this, but what do you guys think is the Warriors' top off-season priority? Zach, we'll start with you. I'm not really sure what their top priority is yet. They have a lot of interesting extension decisions with Wiggins and Poole, and even Draymond and Clay will be eligible coming up soon for extensions. Looney's free agency to me, Kevon Looney, played every game this season. Absolutely remarkable. Was always their stopgap starter when they needed someone to start change the lineup while coming off the bench. I think what they do with him and how high they're willing to go with him will be really interesting because James Wiseman is sitting there waiting in the wings and how much faith do they have in him to be ready to play a huge role next year and just in general what is the breaking point at which this team can no longer spend much money because if they add up all the luxury tax on top of this if they bring back Looney at market value and Peyton who was essential in the finals I don't know if they win the finals without Gary Payton the second they bring back both those guys we're going to be talking about a payroll plus taxes that's about 400 million dollars potentially and the rest of the league the other 29 teams are watching this saying what is the end game of this can they just keep doing this year after year after year maybe the answer is yes and by the way I don't think it's a bad thing. Mm -hmm. They drafted most of these players other yeah. than Wiggins. I want, we should all want Clay and Draymond and Steph to be Warriors for life. Why shouldn't they extend Jordan Poole? It's really just one guy. Even Looney is a Warrior for life. We should all want that kind of continuity. That kind of continuity is one of the reasons they just won the championship. No, I, I totally agree with Zach on the Kavon Looney point. He was so uh, underappreciated for his role in this finals run and if you look at the numbers with him and Draymond on the court their rebounding was elite when he when Draymond was on the court with Kevon Looney off they were basically the worst rebounding team in the league and that's how important he was his defense in that Dallas series against uh, uh, Luca the other component to this for me it's you got to resign Andrew Wiggins to an extension he's a guy who's 27 years old he, he was just the second most important player for you in a championship run. Let's let's value him. Let's sign him to a reasonable extension. And it's going to be a bag regardless. But let's sign him to a, to an extension and lock him up long term. Jordan Poole, I'm less I'm less urgent about signing him just because he's still on his rookie contract. You're still going to control his rights the following season. That doesn't seem like as urgent of a need as, as re-signing Kevon Looney and signing Wiggins to his, his extension. Uh, I agree with JJ. Obviously, Looney's presence was incredible to be able to play 82 games plus 22 playoff games. Uh, didn't miss a game. Uh, and I agree with JJ. Wiggins at, at 20C, his, his age, his athleticism on both ends of the ball is something they lack. So I definitely think he's important. Poole has emerged as a star. But who I want to see is... James Wiseman. I think this team, he's going to be really big for their plans moving forward. I think they got to throw him out there and see what they have. This kid didn't play a lot of high school, didn't play barely any college, uh, barely played his first year, but when he did play, there was flashes of, you just saw, you know, a, a, a turn and face shooter, a slasher, a dynamic roller that puts pressure on the rim, someone that rebounds really well, uh, catches lobs, blocks shots, and strengthens a front line that was rather weak when, like you said, when, when Looney wasn't on the floor. So I really think they have to to see what they have in James Wiseman this year. 
no, finding out is he someone we're going to move forward in the future or are we going to have to package him up and try to get something else this season? Yeah, I'm interested in the development of the young guys, Kaminga, and particularly Moses Moody, because I want Perk to have to say his name over and over and over again like he did on draft day last year. So, all right, coming up next on NBA Today, we look at the actual options for Kyrie Irving and ask our panel what their expectations are for Brooklyn's star point guard. Plus, which teams are looking to move up the big board before the draft on Thursday? We'll get into that. And is it ever too early to talk about who will be crowned MVP next season? Of course not. We take a look at all those updated odds, all that more. Keep it locked to NBA Today. We all know breakfast is an important part of your day. But sometimes when you're traveling for business, you end up staying at a hotel that doesn't offer any. You know what happens? You grab a cup of coffee and skip the meal entirely. We've all been there. But if you book a room at La Quinta by Wyndham, you can enjoy their free bright side breakfast featuring delicious baked goods, fruit, eggs, yogurt, and waffles. And really, who doesn't want to start their day with a fresh, hot waffle? Tonight, La Quinta, tomorrow you shine. Book direct at LQ.com. Top story today in the NBA, Kyrie Irving. He thinks that he deserves a four-year extension, fully loaded. This brother is in la-la land, and I ain't talking L.A. You give him a max deal, max deal. Of course. LeBron and Kyrie is kind of like that. But who says they still can't accomplish more? Would you keep this same energy if your New York Knicks could get Kyrie Irving? I don't know. You don't know. Winnie doesn't know. The only person that would have been able to get Kyrie Irving to the Lakers would have been Kobe Bryant. Who still says he can't? What? If I'm Kevin Durant, I won't out. I'm getting the hell up out of Brooklyn. All right, the Kyrie Irving takes have been flying around on the airwaves and online over the last 48 hours, but with so much speculation, we want to take a beat to reset expectations and explain what exactly is going on with the Kyrie situation and what can realistically happen in the coming weeks. Here's our ESPN NBA front office insider, Bobby Marks. Kyrie Irving has a $36.5 million player option, but the reality is, is that the situation this offseason is he does not have a lot of leverage here. The options, he can return to Brooklyn, extend for potentially five years, $248 million. That's an unlikely scenario. Also, work out a deal maybe in the short term, two or three years to remain in Brooklyn. But what happens if Irving declines that option and goes out and looks at the free agent market? What he's going to find is a limited market consisting of teams like Detroit, Indiana, Portland, uh, Orlando, uh, perhaps San Antonio. Teams like the Los Angeles Lakers, the Los Angeles Clippers, they do not have cap space to go out and sign Kyrie Irving outright. They can't even orchestrate a trade because of the hard cap. A team like the Knicks, they would have to move about 35 to $40 million in salary even to go out and try to sign Irving outright. So the reality is Kyrie Irving does not have much leverage in this situation unless, of course, he's willing to take a significant pay cut. Okay, so that's what could potentially happen. Matt, uh, I know we can't get in Kyrie's head, but what do you expect Kyrie to do here? I expect Kyrie to do what's best for him like he always does, and that's not necessarily always a bad thing. I just want to know, and I think the world wants to know, his current teammates and wherever he may be going, where does basketball rank on your priority list? If it's high, there's there's no telling where he can end up and, and what kind of impact he can make. But I kind of want to flip it too from another side. The Nets had to give up so much to make this team happen. 
KD came there for him. You know, James joined these guys. He's only played in 103 out of 246 regular season games since he's been in net. Only 13 playoff games. We all know when basketball is a priority, he's one of the most special players we've ever seen. But I'm really frustrated right now, and I think if I'm Kevin Durant, and I know Kevin Durant could be loyal to a fault here because that's his guy, and he probably doesn't want to come out and speak, but Kevin Durant will be 34 starting next year. The knock on him is he needs to win. He needs to win. He wants to win. And the one person that, that, that you thought would be his road dog to help him get there has been holding up this process. So I think he has to really have a coming, coming to heart with him or management and kind of figure out like, yo, bro, I came here for you. What are you going to do? Are you going to play or not? Because that's going to dictate both of our futures. And I think the only one that knows that is Kyrie Irving. Yeah, I look at it first from the Nets side. And, and I, you know, for me, I'd be very hesitant to give him a, a max contract extension at this point. And so... The flip side of that is if I'm Kyrie Irving, I'm opting in. I'm going to try to play 70 to 75 games, you know, injuries willing, and I'm going to try to compete for a championship. You know, we get Joe Harris back healthy. We get Ben Simmons healthy. That team is an Eastern Conference uh, championship contender and, and potential finals uh, championship contender. I, I would do that. And then all of a sudden, you do that, you can get whatever bag you want to get. Absolutely. I, I, don't, I don't think the market for him, both as a, whether it's as a free agent or in a trade, is necessarily that robust right now because the, of the question marks, not about his talent. He is a transcendent talent. The, the question marks around his availability and his reliability. Let's keep in mind, like, he's not missing games because he's injured. He's missing games because of personal choices. His first year, he says he doesn't want to play because Kevin's not playing. His second year, he misses, you know, seven games in 11 days uh, to take a, a personal hiatus. And then, of course, this past season, because he's unwilling to take the vaccine, he misses a large chunk of games. So it, it's, it's, it's just about reliability. Are you able to rely on this guy? And the answer to that question, unfortunately, is no. Because if I'm, a, if I'm a basketball fan, he's one of the three most entertaining mm -hmm. players in the league to me. I, you know, John Morant, Steph Curry, Kyrie Irving. Like, I'm, bu I'm buying a ticket to watch those guys play. That's, that's cool. Being entertaining is cool. Like, I'd buy a ticket to watch a lot of these guys play. <laughs> if they play, playing is cool. I'd rather have you play and be a little bit less entertaining. Look, here's the bottom line. Kyrie Irving's trade value is at an all-time low because he doesn't play enough. And the Nets are not and should not be in the business of selling low out of desperation in trades. Bobby, the teams that might actually yep. be interested in trading for Kyrie Irving if he opted in have nothing that the Nets are interested in that Kevin Durant would be interested in to help him win next year. Bobby Marks outlined the free agency landscape, which as things stand now, is unkind. I do think the Knicks would move heaven and earth to try and have a shot at him. Maybe they can do that. Maybe they can't. If he's willing to take the mid-level exception, which is $26 million less than his option for next year, that's something the Nets can't do anything about. If he wants to do that, he does that. It's out of their hands. I still think the most likely scenarios and the ones that I think benefit both player and team and Kevin Durant, the star that's just sitting there watching his team disintegrate around him seemingly at every moment, is some sort of compromise deal, whether it's a two plus one with a team option in year three or something like that, where it's not one year, but it's not five years. Maybe it's a five-year deal that's kind of like the deal Chris Paul signed in Phoenix. It's a shorter deal but where years three, four, and five have some guarantee triggers where you only get the full amount if you play X games. 
things like that, creative solutions like that, where both sides can kind of sleep at night. It just feels like all of this is a leverage play in public. There's a place to meet in the middle that just makes the most sense out of all of these different outcomes. But you just never know. I mean, if, if, if there's one thing we've learned, if, if, if we woke up tomorrow and learned he's opting out to sign with Team X, for the mid-level, would you be shocked? Mm -mm. I mean, I wouldn't be shocked. Nope. <laughs> I don't think any of us would be shocked about anything yeah, he did. Again, <laughs> we're not going to try to get into his head because only he knows what he wants to do moving forward. We'll see. All right, still to come here on NBA Today with the draft only two days away, which teams could be most active on the trade market? More NBA Today after the break. Hi, it's Mike Greenberg letting you know ESPN Bet is ready to take you through all the biggest sports moments this spring. The official sportsbook of ESPN has exclusive offers and markets from Scott Van Pelt, Stephen A. Smith, and me, plus many more. From the playoff intensity to finally getting out to the ballpark, there's no better time for sports fans. Sign up today. New users get a bet reset up to $1,000 in bonus bets if your first bet doesn't win. Download ESPN Bet today. What a play. Must be 21 plus and present in select states. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER. Terms and conditions apply. See app for details. Good evening and welcome to the 1996 NBA Draft. Charlotte Hornets select Kobe Bryant. Jerry West told me today that greatness lies ahead for this young man. Draft a deal headed to Charlotte in return for the son of a former L.A. Clipper, Kobe Bryant. So here's Bryant. Wow! George Hill to the Pacers in exchange for the rights to Kawhi Leonard. The 2014 MVP. So they're just going to take each other's picks. Raptors are going to take Jamerson. The Warriors are going to take Carter. Seattle will send Ray Allen to Boston for this number five pick. Jeff Green, Georgetown University. Don't look for Nowitzki to stay with their respective team. Mavericks on the clock. We've heard that they likely have a deal with Atlanta. The Seattle Supersonics select Scott Pippen. I'd like to announce a trade. Whoa! Great to see and hear the voices of Dan Patrick and Stuart Scott there as well, and Marv Albert for that matter. We're just over 50 hours away from the draft at Barclays Center. Obviously, that sets the stage for potential deals that can change the landscape of the league. With that said, it's one of my favorite parts of the draft preview, rumors. Here we go. And who better to talk to than Brian Windhorst, the host of the Hoop Collective podcast, and Zach Lowe, the host of the Low Post podcast. Nobody knows the inner workings of the league like you two. So let's talk about what everybody in the league is talking about. Brian, we're two days away from the first pick being announced. Which team will be the most active leading up to draft day? Man, we got a lot of stuff going. I don't know how much of it will come to fruition, but let's go. Uh, the Atlanta Hawks are all over the place. I have heard five or six different potential deals that they're working on, many of them surrounding John Collins, some of them surrounding uh, Bogdan Bogdanovich. Ooh. But the only player from the Hawks that I've heard not involved in trade talks is Trey Young and maybe DeAndre Hunter. So you will definitely probably see the Hawks do something. It may include their draft pick in the, in the uh, mid-teens or may not. We'll have to see. Also, keep an eye on the Houston Rockets. They've already done one deal uh, this uh, offseason. Uh, look for a little bit of Eric Gordon sweepstakes, uh, you know, in play. A couple of teams that I've heard interested, uh, the Philadelphia 76ers and the um, uh, Phoenix Suns. Yet Chris Paul looking for a potential reunion with his former teammate there. Um, Philadelphia also in the mix for P.J. Tucker, by the way, just opted out of his contract with the uh, Miami Heat. And also keep an eye on the Charlotte Hornets. Now, they have two picks in the middle of the draft, picks 13 and 15. 
people in the league do not feel they will make both picks. They might not even make either pick, but right now they are looking to make a deal with one of those picks, combine them with one of the salaries that they have in-house. Gordon Hayward is one of the names that we're hearing, potentially to offload some money, potentially to move around in the draft as they try to clear some salary space for, uh, for Miles Bridges. That's a top free agent for them. They got a lot of salary committed. So look for any or all of those teams to do something before Thursday night. Ditto on everything Wendy said about the Hawks, who are all over the place. Lots of balls in play for them. John Collins' name does come up a lot. Several executives have told me the Knicks, the New York Knicks sitting at 11, I believe, mm. are much more active than typically around this time. And connected to that, the Pacers, having gone into a rebuild mode with the Sabonis, Tyrese Halliburton trade, they got a lot of players, a lot of veteran players, a couple anyway, and Malcolm Brogdon and Miles Turner that are pretty coveted around the league. There's been some noise linking Brogdon to the Knicks and other teams. I think that noise is pretty legitimate. Brian mentioned Charlotte with two picks at 13 and 15. They have long been interested in Miles Turner. I don't know that one of those picks late in the lottery is enough to get it done. What do you have to supplement with it? They've needed a center for ages, although they drafted one last year, Kai Jones, who barely played. And just keep an eye on the Grizzlies, who are sitting at 22 and 29. They've got a log jam of guards, including DeAnthony Melton, who's drawn a lot of interest around the league, including this week as a possible trade target. We saw them move up from 17 to 10 last year. It may not be anything sexy. They may not actually do anything, but almost no team has more chips now and into the future other than Oklahoma City than the Grizzlies do. And at 22 and 29, you can bet they're going to be looking all up and down the draft board for ways to maximize those chips. Wendy, you mentioned Houston earlier as a potential top 10 team that can move around. Are there any other teams in the top 10 that you expect to potentially make some moves? A couple of weeks ago, I would have said we could see a couple of teams move in the top 10. Right now, as I talk to league executives, they're not really feeling it. One of the big moves, in it, one of the big things we're going to watch is what happens with the Sacramento Kings at the pick four. This is a mystery pick. Uh, probably the best player available will be Jaden Ivey. But the Kings have a bunch of guards already. And so the question is, will they take Jaden Ivey and keep him, take Jaden Ivey and raffle him off to the, to the best bidder, or will they pass on Jaden Ivey and take another player at that spot? That's a key one. Another one, for weeks we've heard about the Portland Trailblazers at seven possibly trading that pick off, maybe for Jeremy Grant of the Detroit Pistons. From what I understand, Portland has decided not to go down that path and as of right now is playing to draft at number seven. Uh, Jonathan Gavoni has them taking a shade on Sharp out of Kentucky, and I have heard the same thing, that that is who they are targeting. That's not something I would have expected two or three weeks ago. And keep an eye on the Washington Wizards at number 10. Uh, Zach mentioned Malcolm Brogdon. They have been in talks with the Wizard, with the uh, Pacers about Malcolm Brogdon, possibly for that 10th pick, possibly for not. They could look to take one of their players and their draft pick and move around. It wouldn't surprise me if Washington was involved in a trade where they either picked up a guard uh, for their pick or swapped their pick to another team, potentially maybe even the New Orleans Pelicans, who are shopping Devontae Graham, um, looking to, uh, to pick up a guard in this deal with their draft pick. So I, I don't think we're going to see a lot of action moving in the top 10, but look for those teams, especially Washington, to, uh, to maybe get, get some action going. Great stuff, guys. Thank you so much. And you can see the 76th annual NBA Draft Thursday night live from Barclays Center in Brooklyn, 8 Eastern, 5 Pacific on ABC, ESPN, ESPN Radio, and the ESPN app. Coverage starts at 730 Eastern, 430 Pacific on SportsCenter.
Some sad news out of the basketball world. Former NBA player and Purdue Boilermakers standout Caleb Swanigan has passed away at age 25. A first-round pick of the Portland Trailblazers in 2017, the six-foot-nine Swanigan played three years in the NBA with the Blazers and Sacramento Kings. Swanigan had a standout sophomore campaign at Purdue and was named the Big Ten Player of the Year and was a consensus first-team All-American. He was also a finalist for the Naismith Award. Following the season, he entered the NBA draft and was selected number 26 overall. Swanigan passed away Monday night with the Allen County's coroner's office saying Swanigan passed away of natural causes at Fort Wayne Hospital. We'll be right back. This podcast is proud to be supported by Jets Pizza, the number one pick in Detroit-style pizza. Why? It's simple. Jets is better. With the thickest, crispiest, cheesiest Detroit-style pizza in the country, there's no competition. Right now, get $5 off any eight-corner pizza with code 8SAVE. That's the number eight, S-A-V-E. Go to jetspizza.com to learn more and find a location near you. Again, try Jets' signature eight-corner pizza and get $5 off with code 8SAVE. That's the number eight, S-A-V-E. Jets Pizza. Better because it has to be. Watching NBA Today, live from Los Angeles. ESPN continues 50-50 month, honoring and exploring the first 50 years of Title IX and the women moving the world forward. Tonight, ESPN Films presents 37 Words, a series on the history and impact of Title IX and the trailblazers in sports, including Ann Myers-Drysdale, who broke the barrier in 1980 when she became the first woman to sign an NBA contract with the Indiana Pacers. Today, competing where no woman has tried to compete before, she got bumped and outwitted and outmuscled. You know, I made shots, I made passes, I got beat on defense. Yeah, I made mistakes, but everybody makes mistakes in basketball. The media only showed that I didn't deserve to be out there. She did not have the speed, strength, spring, or stamina to compete with the remarkably athletic men who play basketball at its highest level. What are you doing? You're a girl. You can't play against the guys. You're not good enough. You're not strong enough. You're not this and you're not that. And I just kept saying, it's an opportunity that most men don't get. And I'm going to take it. Tune in tonight to catch parts one and two of 37 Words at 8 p.m. Eastern, 5 Pacific on ESPN. Sticking with women who are trailblazers through the sports landscape, there's been a significant front office hire in the NBA. Here's Woj with more. The Phoenix Suns are hiring Morgan Cato as a new assistant general manager and vice president of basketball operations. She comes to Phoenix from the NBA League office where she spent the last decade under Byron Spool working on a number of league initiatives. Uh, she will be the first woman of color to have that assistant GM title in the NBA, one of the highest ranking women in league basketball operations and the plan in Phoenix is for her to work with their general manager James Jones and head coach Monty Williams on growth within that front office within that organization a, a similar role and similar responsibilities that she had at the league office. Who's Morgan Cato? Well, she spent the last 10 years, as you heard Woj say, working for the NBA, most recently as the Associate Vice President of Business Operations. Her roles included several strategic initiatives that targeted the growth of the game throughout the NBA and around the world, including officiating development, the launch of Basketball Africa and their league, and of course, the sports global talent pipeline. 
So congratulations to Morgan. Our next WNBA game is tomorrow night, and it's the only game on the schedule, so all eyes are going to be on it. Sabrina Ionescu and the Liberty take on John Quell Jones and the Sun at 7 Eastern, 4 Pacific on ESPN2 and the ESPN app. Coming up, get your wallet out. The early MVP odds are out. Who should be higher on our list that we will show you? Check it out in 60 seconds here on NBA Today. Welcome back to NBA Today. It's time to go to Vegas, gentlemen. Yesterday, Caesar Sportsbook posted odds on next year's NBA MVP. Let's take a look here. So right now, Mavs star Luka Doncic and Philly big man Joel Embiid are co-favorites for MVP, followed by Giannis at plus 700, the Joker and KD at plus 850. So, Matt, I'll start with you. Do you agree with the order that they've got here of the MVP odds? Uh, I like the first two. Uh, you know, Luka, it's only a matter of time before he breaks through and gets his first. Joel Embiid has been playing great the last two seasons. Unfortunately, Philly hasn't been able to capitalize. Giannis has won an MVP. The one person I would move up is KD, just because I think he's going to come out with vengeance next year. Uh, he averaged 29, 7.5, 6.5. <coughs> um, but just all this talk about him not being who he thinks he is and who most of us think he is because he hasn't done a certain amount of things. He hasn't driven the bus if you want to listen to Charles Barkley. But I think KD is going to come out. Obviously, being on a winning team is going to help. Um, but, you know, he'd be 34 this season. The oldest MVP was Carl Malone at 35. Um, but I see KD coming out uh, with crazy focus and just a vengeance uh, on this whole entire season. JJ, who should be higher on the list? I feel like Luka has been number one preseason MVP favorite in the odds for the last three seasons. Um, you know, we talked earlier. We talked earlier about Steph Curry seeing and hearing everything. And believe me, <laughs> somewhere in the next yep. two hours, 20 out, 24 hours, whatever <laughs> it is, he's going to see that he's not in the top five of MVP favorites for next season. He absolutely should be in the top five. The man's just coming off a of finals MVP even within the first two months of the season. If you guys remember, Kevin Durant and Steph Curry were like the neck clear favorites two months yep. into the season. And, of course, Kevin got hurt, and then Steph went through a slump when Draymond was hurt. Uh, Steph's got to be on that list. Zach? J.J. is taking my answers, and, and I don't like it. And my <laughs> answer is going to be, how about the guy who was just finals MVP like yesterday and whose team should be really good again in Steph Curry, but it really is hard to argue yeah. with those first five given okay. their abilities and what their teams need from them. I'd also throw out John Morant, Jason Tatum, mm. and Devin Booker. But, yeah, I'm with J.J. Steph Curry, how about the guy we all know, two-time MVP already? Why not again? I agree. Steph should definitely be in that mix. And, and, and I think what made last year so great is so many guys were in the running were so late. But I also want to add one person in Anthony Davis. And if he's oh. in this conversation, that's going to be the only way the Lakers will be good this year. Anthony Davis has to have an MVP-type season for the Lakers to make any noise this season. And if you like a real long shot, go down the list a little bit. Zion Williamson, that's all I'm saying. If you like a long shot, okay, why Ooh. not? Who knows? Got to win. All right. All right. Thanks to everyone who tuned in. Thanks to the guys here. Check out the All the Smoke podcast, Old Man in the Three podcast, and the Low Post podcast, and download the NBA Today podcast. Uh -huh.